I actually have a constant ringing in my left ear from where one of my kids threw such a tantrum on a flight back from Paris. They permanently damaged my hearing. Like there's nothing you can do. It doesn't matter. I don't care how rich you are. You don't have eight nannies with you. Like, I don't care how, like, there's no moment. There's nothing that you can do to get out of that as a mom. And so there, it is kind of that great equalizer of like, I'm on a plane, things are going wrong with my kids. I'm embarrassed and I'm just trying to fix it and not have everybody hate me along the way. Welcome to the Zen-ish Mommy Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Gershman, and while I may never reach enlightenment, you will find me here cussing and laughing along the way. This podcast is a place for all women to connect, educate themselves, and slow down because you deserve a moment to pause and press play. All right, listeners, now that the world is opening back up, maybe you've been hit by the travel bug, spending your days dreaming of drinks with those fancy little umbrellas, tropical sandy beaches, and I imagine as the mom of the household that you are the travel planner of your family. I know I am. I usually just get the okay from my husband, and I do all the legwork, research the places, call, get the flights, all that kind of stuff. And maybe you've used a travel agent. I know we have in the past, but I never really understood how all of that worked. There are so many benefits to outsourcing your travel to experts or possibly becoming the said expert yourself. My next guest has created an entire company around the idea that moms are the travel planners in their household, and she wants you to turn that passion into a money-making hustle. I want to welcome today Henley Vasquez. She's the co-owner of Fora, a new startup that empowers anyone to transform their passion for travel into meaningful revenue through flexible and fun work. A self-proclaimed hotel junkie, Henley is driven by matchmaking the perfect property to each traveler's unique style. Prior to Fora, Henley founded and led Passported, a boutique travel agency with a focus on making family travel both accessible and enjoyable. Henley lives in New York City with her three kids and rescue dogs, and she's here to talk all about travel and how you can get your own side hustle. Let's give her a welcome. Hey, I want to welcome Henley Vasquez to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Good to see you and hear you, Jessica. Yeah. Talking about travel, I think all of us had that travel bug as things started to open up. I'm actually planning like a South American trip for all four of the kids and my husband and myself. And just having that opportunity to go back out and explore and be wanderers. I mean, I think we've missed that so much. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the pent up demand for travel is so obvious right now. People are sort of like, I'll spend anything. I'll go anywhere just because we're all tired of staying home at this point. We're ready to see the world again. It was a good way to like have domestic travel. We were a family that bought an Airstream along with like, you know, hundreds of thousands of other RV owners during the pandemic and you know, drove across the country from Indy to California and saw areas of the country that I would never see before. And I'm ready to start traveling again, getting on an airplane, staying in those nice hotels. It's good to go to other countries and other cultures, but I agree. I mean, for myself too, just like learning more about what's in my backyard and that I don't have to like pull up the passport to have an amazing trip was a really, it was a big eye opener. Well, it's nice because I think we have these go-tos for travel. Like we want to go hit an island and all of these things that weren't accessible. And they're like, oh wait, we have like an incredibly large, diverse country, you know, that you can drive to for the most part. Yep. 
All right. So give the listeners a little bit about yourself. I did an intro, but also how you came to have this passion for travel. Well, it's funny because I think a lot of people assume that people who work in travel must have like grown up in this glamorous travel world. And I really didn't. I don't think I left the country until I was in high school and my mom took me to Cancun and I got sun poisoning from being outside. Cancun is, doesn't totally count. I mean, it is another country, but it's not like, (laughs) it's really not like I didn't study abroad because it was going to create more student loans that I really had the appetite to take on. So I actually like came to travel much more as an adult, more out of a desire to see the world rather than out of experience already having done that. If you had told me that I would end up being a travel agent and founding travel companies, I would have said like, no, that's crazy. First of all, I, like traveling is not something I do a lot of. Second of all, like who wants to run their own business? Like that's insane. But that's exactly what I ended up doing. So I started off working for a travel magazine. Our editor left and started what was Indigari, which was initially going to be travel content online, quickly became a travel agency because our clients wanted to not just talk to us about where they should go, but actually have us plan it. And then from then it sort of took off. So I learned what it was to sort of be able to get on a plane and see the world and plan trips for other people to do the same. Moved on, founded my own boutique agency called Passported. Pandemic did that one in and then sort of came out of it. I think kind of like you were saying, you know, so many of us sort of going like, we're ready to see the world again. I had seen my industry get demolished. Most people I knew, you know, had lost their jobs and was sort of watching this come back to life and knew that I still very much wanted to be in this industry and be a part of the resurgence of this, but wanted to do it slightly differently. And that's when I founded Fora. Love it. So how do you think that the travel industry has changed in a post-pandemic world? What were some good things that came out? What are some not so good things that came out? Well, I think the good thing that's come out of it is that a lot of people realize the importance of having a human help you with your travel planning. So a lot of people who before who might've said like, I'll just go on booking.com and book my trip have now realized that booking.com is not going to help you when borders close or when that hotel doesn't want to give you a refund. Like there's no, there's sort of no religion in booking.com. And that's what makes it a company that investors love because they just are there to make the most money. It's what makes us as humans really dislike it because there's, they're not there to help you. They're not there to hold your hand. Whereas like, your travel advisor is somebody who is very invested in trying to make your trips better and help you when the chips are down. So I think that's the good thing is people realized the value of having a person over a computer. The bad thing about the industry is that it it didn't change in the sense that it changed who they wanted to let in the gates. So it's always been an industry that sort of said like, you can only do this if you do this full time. Like you can only do this if you're going to be like Henley, where all you do all the time is plan trips for people. And that didn't change during the pandemic. It sort of was like, well, now you need even more expertise. And that's really the part that I hugely disagree with. I think actually this is prime for disruption. This is prime for the kind of person who really loves travel as a passionate traveler and already is that go-to person for travel tips with their friends and their family. Why can't that person do this part-time? Why can't that be a mom who does it between drop-off and pickup? Why can't that be a freelancer who moved their life to Costa Rica in the middle of pandemic and wants to do this on the side because suddenly they are the expert by being in the place? And so that's the part that, that really didn't shift and that we're really trying to move the needle on. So I always have like someone has like their best friend that is the best at like picking out the boutique hotels and really researching. Mine, her name is Kate, and she's always like, "Oh, let's go to Patagonia. Let's do this." And she's always like reading all the things. But you basically banked on those types of people, people that are expressive, that may have a day job, that maybe do something else, that really want this kind of side hustle. And you banked a whole business on it. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah. I mean, we really did. And a big part of it was, I mean, look, our advisors are men and women, but a lot of them are women and the the industry itself is very female. So if you look at sort of travel agents, it's mostly women. Travel agencies are mostly run by women. And I would constantly in my neighborhood see, you know, women who are sitting in a cafe or going to a soul cycle class and then having these conversations where one would tell the other like, oh, I just went to this amazing place in Patagonia. And the other one would book it online. And I would be like, no, you like, you're not getting paid for the work that you're doing. Like this, is actually a job. And either you don't know it's a job or you don't think that it's a job that you could have. Meanwhile, the other person is like booking it online and encountering all of those problems that we know exist when you're going through an OTA, an online travel agency, like an Expedia or booking.com. So I felt like if you could monetize this connection, there was a, like a big business here, but there's also a real grassroots sort of movement that you can have of offering really sort of fun, interesting, and meaningful work to women that don't have it right now. Love that. I love that. Let's break it all the way down because I don't think I really understand. We've used travel agents in the past. I'm like, they don't necessarily charge you. How do they get paid? Is it costing you more? Do you get perks? Like just break it all the way down. Cause I don't think, well, I certainly didn't understand how the travel agency business worked. And I think most people until they use one don't. And so there really is this hump that you have to get people over the first time of sort of understanding like, where's this money going? So it's easiest to use an example. So let's say I live in Tribeca in New York and the Greenwich is one of my favorite hotels here. It's owned by Robert De Niro. It's super chic. It's very local, has a lot of sort of New York flavor. If you were to call the Greenwich today and book your room, it's going to cost, let's say $600 a night. If I call the Greenwich as your travel agent and I book it for you, It's going to cost the same, but you're going to get your breakfast included for two and they have a really good breakfast and it's not cheap. You're going to get a credit, usually about a hundred to $150 for the spa, which is the best spa in the neighborhood. And you're going to get a room upgrade if it's available when you check in. So you're going to actually get better value than you'd get booking on your own. What they're going to do for me, because I brought them this great customer is they're going to pay me commission when you check out. So you don't pay us because the hotels pay us. And the big thing to know here is that they pay us less than they would to an OTA And that's why they prefer working with us as we give them customers, we give them guests that we've sort of talked to and said, hey, you're going to love the Greenwich because of this, because actually it's a very unique hotel. It's not right for everybody. So when we send them a client, we're sending them somebody who's sort of been vetted and is more likely to be a happy person and they pay us less commission for it. So we get paid for our work. They get a happy customer. You get a great trip with better value and you don't actually pay anybody. Which is nice. I mean, there's so much value in that. And there's also, it takes the legwork and you're getting... We talked about that human connection piece. I want to go back to that because I think that's something that we come back to time and time again. A human connection was taken away from us, and we all realize, like, oh wait, we do like people. (laughs) Yeah, even as a closeted introvert, it was like, oh yeah, like I miss being around people and having these interactions and being able to go to a soul cycle class or whatever the case may be. But anybody that's had an experience, I think my best friend Michael with Airbnb was in like France and shows up, you know, late at night and, you know, the Airbnb, there's no one to call, you know, they're not letting them in the room. They don't speak the same language. There's air, you know, Airbnb as a corporation is not accessible for you to get someone who really gives a shit to find out why you can't get into your apartment or whatever in, in Paris. And so I think all of us or some of us have, have run into a situation where, we didn't use a travel agent. We didn't have anyone to talk to, whether it was booking.com or Expedia or Airbnb or VRBO or whatever the case is. And you were just kind of left holding the bag. You didn't have any recourse. And I think that's so important that you actually can have human interaction. You're getting someone with 
values and opinions and insights that, that have been there and also someone to troubleshoot if you get yourself into a situation. Yeah. And I think that that is, that's a really important distinction. Like when we're talking about things that, that are sort of a direct rental from a person, because you could, you know, put that under the realm of like human connection too. like, Hey, I'm going to stay in your home and I'm going to get this really local vibe. But like, guess what? You're not there when the like toilet explodes and you're not there when the key doesn't work. And so all of that stuff when I go on vacation, I don't want to deal with the same crap that I'm dealing with at home. I want somebody to take care of things for me because I'm trying to wrangle my children and I'm trying to keep up with work and I'm trying to have some fun along the way. So I think a lot of these ones that have sort of stripped the service and the hospitality out of the hospitality industry, like direct rentals from owner, have opened up the world in the sense of like, yes, you can get a house for less money. But if you went to a travel agent, for example, in France, like I actually have great people that rent homes and apartments there, but they're managed homes and apartments. So they actually have people that are on call 24 seven, should something go wrong. They actually have systems in place because it's not just some dude who's like off in the Riviera while you're renting his house in Provence and doesn't really care what happens. It's actually, there's a company behind it. Now that does make it a little bit more expensive. So that's where I do sort of, I, you know, there is a difference in the value of like just renting somebody's home and staying in a hotel or staying in sort of a managed rental situation. But I think if you're sort of looking at splitting the hairs on that, you might rather have a little bit of less space, but know that you've got a real vacation and somebody to call that can help you with it versus winging it and hoping it works out. Well, and I think all of us can attest, it doesn't always look as wonderful, like in person (laughs) as things do online. And they have like fisheye lenses. I'll never forget this time picking a hotel in LA. Just, I mean, and this was 20 years ago. So, you know, the internet was just coming out, but um, thinking I was staying in this really amazing hotel and I didn't know the neighborhoods in LA and I get in and I'm like, oh my gosh, the lobby is maybe like six feet wide. It's a long bowling alley. And we're in a really kind of sketchy, dangerous neighborhood. I was like, but it looks great from the pictures because they knew the right angle and it was a fisheye lens and it looked way bigger and more grand than it than it actually was. And so things aren't always what they seem online. And unless you have someone that knows the area, has been to where you're staying, I mean, there's comfort in that, especially if you're traveling outside of the country with kids. Yeah, especially with that. And I think it really is, it's something where it's like, okay, so I'm on the road a lot, seeing places, traveling, visiting hotels. It's a great perk of my job, but also I have a network of everybody I know from being in the industry that I can text and ask for their opinion if I haven't been there. I have a network of 300 other advisors at Fora right now, growing every day, where they are all over the country and they're traveling too. So having that network of like, I can't be everywhere at once, but I can know all of those people. So I, if I haven't set foot in somewhere, I have somebody who I can call that can say, what is that hotel really like? Because again, going back to the differences between, does it really look like it does in the photos? What kind of person is there? Like, if I have a kid who wants to cannonball in the pool, are there going to be like a lot of couples who are annoyed with me? Like, what's the vibe? And I think that vibe element is something that sort of, you can't see it in photos. You really don't get it from TripAdvisor reviews because you don't really know who are those people. But you get it from somebody who's been there and known it and can tell you, I walked in, you're going to love it. Ignore what you've seen online. Actually, it's way better than that. Or like, it's not really as good as you think. And let's try and reposition to somewhere else because that really, that feedback, and that's what you get from your friends and why you trust your friends when they recommend something because they know you and a good travel advisor gets to know you and becomes almost like, you know, your wealth advisor who tells you what kind of investments they should do because they know your level of sort of risk analysis or your, you know, I clearly don't have a personal stylist. I know this is a podcast. You can see me. This is all I wear every day. It's like a black t-shirt, but 
for people who care about clothes, yeah, look at us both. And um, we're both in black t-shirts. You know, like my favorite people color. who know how to like guide you through what you're shopping for or how you're decorating your home. Any of the things in our life that we look for advisors on travel is such an important one because we don't get to do it all the time. So when you do it, you want it to be done right. And with somebody sort of like guiding you to the place that fits. Well, and I think we've all had a story of it just in, you know, come up to par, up to our expectations, or, you know, we were just chatting. I said, I went all the way out to Park City with my daughters and her friend for a 13th birthday. And my husband, we get in, they're like, yeah, we don't have your reservation and we don't have a room. And it was like Martin Luther King weekend. And I just went straight to the bar and started <laughs> doing shots of tequila. <laughs> but I think I'm sold on the idea of using a travel agent, of having really a confidant and a friend, someone that knows you to help you have the best experience because you know, we have a travel budget, you have limited time, limited resources, you want it to be amazing. And it's the added pressure of when you add the family onto, you know, you've got kids and there's there's a whole nother element of pressure of creating these wonderful experiences with your family, but wanting things to go smoothly because everything's harder with kids. Yes. Everything is harder with kids. It's always more complicated. And the more you have that you drag along, the worse it gets, but you can still make it really fun. Do you have like a crazy, terrible travel story that yes. you somehow got out of? I mean, and they're all related to my children. So it's funny. I don't have one, but I have one theme that runs through all of them, which is that all of my children have extreme motion sickness. And I get this as well, which is why I don't like to ever be driven by anybody else is like, because I will just, I can't even like tell you if you should turn right or left up there because I'll get sick. So my kids are like monster pukers and they are constantly throwing up all over me, all over airplanes, hotels, but it's endless. You can't imagine. I have been in like you know, immigration lines. I was once flying into Spain. I had the baby strapped to me. She had puked all over me. The two younger kids who were partially covered in her vomit as well. And they wouldn't, I was like, do you have a faster line so I can get through to the other side? No, I've landed with the stroller covered in it. I've had hotels clean it up for me. And that's where I really think it's like, that's where it really shines is when I walk up somewhere and I've got, you know, kids stuff all over me. And there's a hotel that goes, cool. Just like, give this to us. We're going to take it. We're going to help this. Like, what can we get you? Can we get her some ginger ale? That's the kind of moments where it turns those bad things around and it actually fixes them. And my favorite thing was last summer. So my pandemic thing was eventually I ran away. I did run away to Costa Rica. So kids were in remote school. Everything was getting locked down again. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. And so we packed up and it was supposed to be a month and it ended up being three months. But I, at a certain point had to do some flying back and forth for work, flown down with the kids. I think it was the youngest one that at that point also thrown up all over me and her big sister, everybody. I had to fly back later that week to go to a meeting. The flight attendants remembered me because apparently they had been on that same flight. They knew the seat that I was in and they started giving me free wine because I did not have my kids with me this time. And they were like, girl, we've been there. Like here, they gave me all the free little bottles so that I could just watch a movie on my own. And so it's those moments where you think we're actually, even our worst moments, we're kind of all in this together. And especially like woman to woman, you can sort of like support each other and say, cool, it's not the first time, not the last time either. And I love that. Uh, thank you for sharing. And I think there's like this thread of motherhood where like I've, I've been there. I don't have like constant pukers, but I've been there. You know, my daughter had like food poisoning on the flight to Hawaii. You know, the eight hour flight to Hawaii is throwing up everywhere of like the plain pot roast. That was super gross. You know, and so we, we've all been there in that experience as mothers. And I think when you 
go to a place that respects that, that understands that, that has that common thread, that we're all just kind of in this together and there is no judgment, right? So like once you've been through it as a mom, it's a judgment-free zone. You're like, oh, we want to help you. Like we know what that's like or when the kids are little and you're dragging the stroller and you got a baby strapped to your back and a toddler running around. I mean, you know, as mothers, we get it and we can support one another. And it really is the great equalizer, I think, because when you think like, it doesn't matter if you're in first class or if you're in like the back of the bus, because when your kid starts getting sick or something goes wrong, they're the tantrum. I actually have a constant ringing in my left ear from where one of my kids threw such a tantrum on a flight back from Paris. They permanently damaged my hearing. Like, there's nothing you can do. It doesn't matter. I don't care how rich you are. You don't have eight nannies with you. Like, I don't care how, like, there's no moment. There's nothing that you can do to get out of that as a mom. And so there, it is kind of that great equalizer of like, I'm on a plane, things are going wrong with my kids. I'm embarrassed and I'm just trying to fix it and not have everybody hate me along the way. And, you know, we are, but that's compassion. We lead with compassion. And whether your kids are grown or whatever, we've all been at that stage where they're screaming on the plane or or vomiting or diarrhea or whatever the case is. We've (laughs) all been there and it's terrible. I mean, the first time that you fly after potty training your kids and like the fear oh, that's the worst. You're like, oh my God, I don't have enough change of clothes for everyone. No, no, no. And they're always going to have to go right as the plane is landing. (laughs) Always, always, right? I have to go. And they're like, like literally landing, you know, everybody's strapped in. I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, but I really have to go, mom. I'm like, I just asked you five minutes ago and we could still get up. I mean, it is like, you know, of course, all kinds of accidents, but you created for, with this kind of idea of creating a band of women and mothers to support one another and travel and share those inside secrets. Talk about your mission behind your business. Yeah. And that really is it. And I should say, I should be, I'm inclusive of men as well. So we do have some amazing men and fathers that are part of the community, but it is like the women, like it blows me away what a sort of a more diverse community it is when you sort of open up the gates and say, Hey, do you like planning travel? Come in and let's help you do it. Like we have one who she's a mother of two. She's paraplegic. She has been for 20 years and she has seen the whole world with her family in a wheelchair. Like her vision of travel and what it's like to try to navigate like the Vatican in a wheelchair is a totally different thing and such an important voice to have within this community. Because guess what? If you're the person who is also disabled and sort of trying to uh, trying to still navigate, you know, international travel with a disability particularly in COVID times when, you know, trying to distance is difficult when somebody has to, you know, lift you talking to somebody who's been there that you're talking to someone, it's, it's a totally different, it's going to give you the confidence to navigate it. Talking to a mom of small children, when you're a mom, small children, talking to a mom who has teenagers, when you're talking to, you know, with somebody else who also has teenagers and knows that they're kind of lousy with their attitudes at certain points, or, you know, whatever it is, whether it's, you want to climb the mountain. So you want to find the woman who's an expert in that all of this is within our community. And it's something that has just, it really, it brings me so much joy. Every time I see somebody new join and we get the background and they all post in the community of like, here's who I am, here's where I'm coming from and why I'm doing this. They are lawyers on the side. They are diplomats on the side. They are moms on the side. They are, you know, they're working for big companies that are, you know, sort of providing really actually quite good salaries, but they're still wanting to do this as their side hustle, not even necessarily for the money, although that's obviously an awesome gain, but just to be a part of something that's interesting. So we started it to try to give more voices to travel and more opportunities for work. And that's interesting and sort of compelling, but I got to say just like selfishly, it brings me so much happiness to watch all of these new people come in and like get their first reservation and get their first client and sort of see how it brings us all up because it's the more that the more voices that are in there, the better we all get. 
hundred percent for sure. So how does it work if you wanted to do this? Cause you said one thing that came out of the pandemic was that you, know, you didn't have to be full-time travel, right? That was pushed on you and that you were able to kind of change or reframe that idea. How can you work this as a side hustle if someone's interested? Yeah. So the really the big difference is just finding a company that will accept you to doing it part-time and not set sales goals that are unrealistic for someone who's not doing it full-time. The reason a traditional agency wouldn't allow that is that just it's a low margin business. So the way that we work is the same way real estate works. The commission comes in from the hotel, goes to your host agency, host agency keeps a portion of it and sends the rest to the advisor. So for somebody who's not booking a lot, typically there's not enough sort of commission coming in for it to be worthwhile to the host agency to support them. The reason that we can do that is that we're building a lot of technology to help take sort of the effort off of the people, sort of make your commission tracking easier, make your logging and bookings easier so they can really focus on sales so that we can support them also with like asynchronous training. You don't have to be available to attend this training all the time. You can find it in the community app and watch it in the library later. Sort of all that stuff that we're able to give them that comes from us, but is something they can do in their free time means that we can give the opportunity to people who they only want to sell travel or they want to sell a little more and that they can adjust that lever up and down. Because I think that's another thing is there may be somebody who, you know, she wants to work a certain amount of time, but then she knows that comes spring break, she's going to have to sort of take a step back because she's on the road with her own kids. And so giving people that option to say, they're your clients, they're your friends, like you, you know, we'll help you with templates for writing emails will help you with how to sort of communicate with hotels. But it's up to you to decide how many clients you want to take on, which are the right ones for you. We're not going to tell you you have to do something a certain way because we really want to empower them to be entrepreneurs. We're not just the entrepreneurs here. And that's really shifted their thinking. So it's nice to see that flexibility in there. You need to have like a specific interest or area or geographical expertise, or can you just be like, hey, I know I've gone to these places with my kids and these is how I would recommend, you know, and just start talking about that amongst your friends. I mean, how does that work? Yeah. I mean, I think having an opinion is really the biggest place to get started. So, you know, if somebody applies to become an advisor and, you know, they say I'm mostly an Airbnb person, for example, you know, which you can't make commission off of and their opinions on hotels are like, I don't really know what are my favorites. That's going to be a hard thing for them to get into this business because you kind of have to be opinionated because that's what's going to turn you into a salesperson. It really is a sales role. I, for years, could not say that I was in a sales role. I just felt like I'm not a salesperson. Like I'm like selling, you know, used Toyotas on the street, but I am in a sales role. And that's what all of these people are. And so when you're getting started, you really are. And we just did a training on this last week for the advisors of how do you sort of activate your friends and your family in a salesy way? Because it can feel a little bit icky. And the thing that I always say is, the first thing to do to put yourself out there is ask for help. So you don't have to be the like jazz hands, salesy, like I'm the best travel agent ever. You just need to have an opinion about places and you need to be willing to say to your friends, guys, this is what I'm doing. Please support me. So next time you're going to book a hotel, please book it with me. Next time you want to go to a place that I went to, like ask me about it. And I think most people find that once you, and we provide email marketing tools, all of that stuff, but just most putting yourself out there and asking your friends and your family to support you in your new endeavor is the most effective way to get that first booking. Like comparing it to starting in like residential real estate, and there's so many upfront costs. Are there upfront costs to starting in this business? 
No, and it's interesting because real estate is the industry that is the most similar to us in the sense of how the commission payments work, but it's remarkable how dissimilar it is and yet how many people do it. So there's 100,000 travel agents in the US. There are 2 million licensed real estate agents. Now, you have to take a class, you have to pay for your license, you have to spend your weekends like walking around other people's home instead of doing what you want to do on the weekends and like you're going to sell I mean, look, if you become really successful, you could sell a lot and your commissions are big, but how many homes are you really going to sell when you're trying to do this part-time? Not so many. Meanwhile, travel is something you don't have to have a license. You work under our license. There's no fee to get started and you can do it at home. You can do it during the week. Like I honestly, like I check my emails on weekends. I'm not killing myself on a Saturday to get stuff done. It really is a little bit more of like within business hours, except for in emergencies, like any job is. And yes, my commissions may be lower than if I sold a $3 million house, but like I'm going to book a lot of trips. I'm not going to sell very many $3 million houses. So to me, that gap between the 100,000 travel agents and the 2 million real estate agents is like the space that I'm looking at and going, who are those people that are getting these licenses and paying for it and maintaining it and really not ever able to monetize it? And why aren't they doing this job instead? Yeah, no, I because... I feel like that's where a lot of like single moms, my mom did, went and got a real estate license. You know, I remember that struggle for her of just, it was so much out of pocket money and to get started and weekends of working the phones. And, you know, I was in commercial real estate, which is great because it was less opinionated, less personal, and you didn't have to work on weekends. Yeah. 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 And I will say that, you know, traditional travel agencies do have training courses that do cost thousands of dollars. So I shouldn't say it's not that like our industry as a whole is like so inclusive and easy to get into. Traditionally, that is the way we're just doing it differently. I love it. You're shaking things up. Trying. Do you have like a favorite trip that you planned for a client or friend? Let's see. (laughs) That's interesting. You know, I love finding things that you can do that surprise people along the way. You know, leaving a note in the room for when they arrive, like sending a hotel, like a picture of their kids so they can have it printed out. I try to share all of sort of the details along. But in terms of a trip that's really sort of meaningful, I think a lot of them are kind of happening right now. And there's no one that in, that sort of specifically stands out. It's just this feeling of seeing people being able to do the stuff that they hold on to, that they held on to for years. So we have somebody who their their mother, it's a, this is a trip that's going to happen in December. The mother, the grandmother and the family had heart condition and, you know, aged a lot. Like, look, the last two years aged us all. But in particular, older people went from like being on the older side to getting like old, old and starting, you know, their health really declining. And so they had talked about doing a safari for years. And what we just booked for them is a safari that is the grandmother, all of her adult kids, their spouses, and all of the grandchildren. I think it's about 18 people in total, and they're all going to Kenya. And just seeing this sort of this trip come into place where it is really like, how many more years are they going to have to do this? Not only because of, you know, the grandmother and her heart condition making travel a little bit dicey, but also that the grandkids themselves have gotten older. And so they're going to start going off and having activities and having less flexibility on this. So this moment of bringing that kind of family together, they all live in different places. They haven't been able to spend a lot of time together and sort of know that they're going to launch this huge adventure that will be meaningful and memorable to them for the rest of their lives. You know, even down to the youngest child is just, it's really, it's a wonderful thing to see. And, and obviously there's, there's, there's lots of those smaller moments. So you don't have to have a 17 person safari for it to be an epic trip, but just watching those moments of people finally being able to do these things they've been waiting to do, or it's really, it's wonderful. 
Well, and life is made in the experiences. I think it was like the Ewan McGregor commercial where he's like, no one's going to remember the stuff that you buy. You know, when the kids open the Christmas presents and they tear through them and they just, you know, put it off to the side or when they're little and they play with the box more than they did the actual toy, (laughs) right? That's happened to all of us. But the experiences that they can look back on. And those are the little, the moments and the memories. Like I look back at my life growing up with my dad and, you know, we went to the Cayman Islands and now I get to take my kids to the Caymans because that was something I did as a kid and had really fond memories of. Yeah. And I know that that is for me too. I mean, I just came back from New Mexico with my kids and that's some, that's such a good example of a place where like New Mexico was not a spot that I was like dying to head to prior to the pandemic. Now I'm obsessed with New Mexico, like from a culinary, from a cultural and from a nature standpoint, it's just a remarkable destination. And like seeing my son who is like, no, he's a city kid. He's not super outdoorsy. And he caught his first fish and like the look on his face and how excited he was and trying to grab that fish and it's flopping around. And like, like that, in that moment, he gained so much confidence in himself of being able to do this thing. Cause he, I kind of like dragged him out onto the boat and all of us being, you know, it's just those moments are the things that we are going to remember. Like, I really don't care about having a fancy handbag. I do care about like locking in those memories. And I love that I get to do that for other people. I love it. All right. So let's say maybe you don't want to do it as your side hustle, but you want to plan your next trip and you're kind of the tech driven. I mean, I've been to your website. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. Let's say I want to plan, you know, Christmas vacation this coming year. How can I go on to forward? Will you guys match me with someone that might be in my interest? Like, how could I start planning my trips with you? Yeah. So there's a couple of ways to to do it. You can go on and we're building out um, some better search functionality right now. We're just sort of rolling out the new version of our website where you'll be able to search and sort the advisors based on their itineraries and guides. So they're publishing their own itineraries and guides that showcase spots that they're really experts in. So you might be able to say like, really want to find somebody who's an expert in, you know, national parks or an expert in France and be able to search it that way. You could also go on and say, I really don't know, just match me and then send it. And that actually comes to our in-house team. We look at it and say, okay, they're interested in this, their kids are this old. And we'll actually help connect you with an advisor who we feel is a good fit for that. Like, I think we're like, in a way, kind of like a dating app more than we are just a traditional travel agency because that, that connection and looking at what do you need and who can give it to you is the way to go. I love it. From your website, it says, we make it dead simple for you to travel like an insider with killer perks and data-driven recommendations, all for the same price as doing the heavy lifting yourself. And I think that's where so many moms would love if they had a go-to kind of boutique firm that you could be matched with someone. And at least that's how you get your feet wet, right? Is you have a really wonderful travel experience, booking it with your company, really connecting with a travel advisor. And you go on this great trip, you have so many wonderful things to say about it. And you're like, wait a minute, maybe I could do that for myself. I think experiencing it first is crucial. Yeah. And I think it's funny how many of our sort of first set of advisors actually are my former clients. So people who I had been planning their trips for years. And then I said to them, like, guys, like, you're really good at this. And like, you just went on this trip. Don't refer your friend who wants to take the same exact trip to me. You can book it and make the money. And they were like, oh my God. So I think so much of that is true that once you see how it's done and you're like, ah, I could do this too. I could like, why am I going to have somebody else get this commission when I could be getting it for myself when I'm planning the same trip that I 
interested. Um, but then there are people who actually, they really don't like the travel planning process and they really want to stay out of it. And those are the perfect clients for these advisors who are excited to start their own their own travel businesses is it isn't right for everybody. It's like, there's lots of things that I don't, I'm not good at. I'm not a great cook. I have a friend who loves cooking. Like I will, she's on chef.com. I will pay for her chili to be delivered to my house because she does it better than I do. And so I think, you know, we have to remember not everybody will be an advisor, but there's lots of people who, who actually can do this and are already doing it without getting paid. Love it. And I can hear like, you're so passionate about it in your voice and excited about, you know, what you're building and what you're creating and offering to other people. What do you think you love most about Fora? <sighs> you know, what I love most is really the community. It is, and that's our community of advisors who are all over the place and getting to know them and getting to see them sort of get started on their business. But that's also the community of my people in the office, my headquarters team, because prior to this, I had a really small company and that was really hard. And, you know, sitting there in the pandemic, by myself, like opening checks, trying to figure out what to do, you know, trying to keep the few employees that I had on payroll. I, that sucked. Like I was so ready to have co-founders and people that I could learn from. And I think it is, I'm very comfortable saying I'm the stupidest person in the room when it comes to my company, like everybody around me brings something that's so remarkable. And so, yes, it's our community of advisors, but it's also the people that I sit in the office with every day or, you know, hybrid days because I I'm just learning constantly from them. And I feel like what I love about travel is that you always learn something new because you're always planning trips to new destinations. But now from a professional standpoint, I'm also learning new things all the time because I'm working with people who know SEO, people who know technology, people who know content better than I do, people who know different forms of community building. So just those are the people that sort of make me get excited to go up and go to work every day. I love it. I mean, as an entrepreneur, I remember my dad telling me growing up was like, surround yourself with people smarter than you, ask questions, you know, pay them really well. Like that's secret to success is surrounding yourself with people that know more in their niche and being able to absorb and learn from others. I think that's wonderful. It's all that teamwork. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is our last question. How do you think women can slow down to do more? Whew. I'm bad at that. So I'm a bad person to ask in terms of what I do, but in terms of what I say, I think boundaries are super important. And whether that is, you know, like with your children, with your partner, with your professional life, finding moments that you can carve out and say, these are just for me. And that's something that I really found was so important throughout the pandemic. And then, you know, just through sort of being in the startup world is, I have to find moments that are not talking to anyone and that people I love I need to step back for a minute. And I think that's the only way we can slow down because a lot of times people say things like, well, it's, you know, it's through socializing with your friends too, but like we run our batteries down. And if you are at work all day and you're helping your kids and then you're going out with your friends at night or you're having a date night, sometimes it's okay to say, I need a date night with myself. So what I do is I go to a restaurant and I sit at the bar by myself with a book. And this is something that I do when I'm traveling alone and that I love. And I have just recently started to do that here at home. It's like, why do I do this in Rome, but not in New York? And so I have a place that I go and I bring a book and I've gotten to know the bartender and there's some other regulars there. Sometimes I talk to them, sometimes I don't. But having that space that is, it's just mine. I don't have to have a conversation. I can eat whatever I want. I can do it at whatever time I want because the bar, I don't need to have a reservation. That's how I slow down is taking those moments. And I have canceled social plans to go and do that by myself because I know that that's the time that I just need to sort of 
check out a little bit. Um, I put my phone away and it really makes a big difference. So I think, yes, do the exercise and do the socializing and have your date nights and have one-on-one time with your kids. All of that is really good to slow down and, and sort of get away from the work stuff, but make sure you also take some of that off of your plate every now and then. Love it. I actually dated myself just a few weeks ago and I did yoga by myself. And then I ordered DoorDash and I had my little tray and I watched Bridgerton and I was just up in my room and I just shut everyone else out. And then the other piece when you said that I went and sat at a bar by myself and I'm 40 now and I haven't gone out a lot. And I was like, the bartender was talking to me and I was like, what's happening? Why are you talking to me? Like I was so out of my element, but it is, it was kind of nice. I was like Monday night at a bar by myself sitting there, but you know, it was nice to not you know, have to cut someone's food and have to constantly be in chatter and conversation. Yeah. And you know what, when it's just you, you can go out somewhere a little bit nicer because you're not paying for all of them too. (laughs) Amen to that. And Lynn, this is so amazing. Thank you for sharing your passion about travel. Where can listeners find you and more about Fora? Yep. So our website is www.foratravel.com. And you can also follow us on our social handles on Instagram at hellofora. And mine is Henley V. I sort of document all my travels on the road. There's a lot of kid and dog pictures on there too. So follow along for all of our travel tips and you'll find it there. Fantastic. And we will put all the links in the show notes. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you.